Welcome back, Brewers fans, to another episode of the Barrel Banter. I'm your host, Peter Go, alongside David. And uh, David, I was thinking about, we've got two weeks left of the regular season. Of course, we hopefully have many more weeks into the playoffs, but we we don't have much more of the season. We've sort of been taking for granted our every week cadence during the season. Uh, I, I think I'm definitely going to be missing our weekly podcast as uh, the offseason at some point. Like I said, hopefully a long ways from now, but it, it's coming soon. Yeah, we got so. another month and a half. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. And and a whole lot of podcasts in between there because we will be on the mics a lot more than once a week. I don't know. We'll, we'll certainly we be on there as much as we can. Every night from you, Peter, just I, you. I would love I would love to do that, but you'll have to speak to my uh, one-year-old on if he can uh, comply with that request. So I guess maybe we'll get a Twitter jar well, out for that. You get him a guest. Be, have him on as a guest. See if he has yeah. any thoughts on... Well, okay, the, so the Brewers always get the weekday slot, so... Until they make it to the NLCS, they'll probably be playing day games during the That's week. That's true. So That's true. You're right. That does actually make it easier because you're recording at 5, 6 p.m. instead of 11, 12 uh, p.m. So 11 yeah. p.m., 12 a.m. So maybe. We'll see. Yeah. But we'll, I, we'll, I could... yeah, we'll definitely try to get as many as we can out in the playoffs. No, absolutely. And, and I, I enjoy, I mean, those games you can break down inning by inning, at bat by at bat. Which I think in, in some capacity you can do, especially in extra innings too. In in really these last game two and game three of the national series, the Mark Canna Grand Slam, that was that was really fun. It was uh it wasn't the same caliber, but it reminded me of the Ryan Braun Grand Slam because you just posted it, David, on our on our uh, Twitter or X page, the the Braun Grand Slam against the Cardinals. So it, it reminded me of it. It's not the same level, but that Canna Grand Slam yesterday was really fun. And to see the bat flip from him I, I didn't expect I'd see a Mark Canna bat flip like that. Everardo, did you see his bat flip yesterday? Yeah, me neither. I I wasn't expecting that he would be the kind of guy to do that. Yeah. But it was it was an incredible moment. I was it felt like an old school moment for me because I was driving. So I was pulling up into the road that we live on and as I was about to get home, Canna's up. I'd only even been kind of listening to it on and off in the car. But luckily, I was listening to it at that time, heard the the call from, I think it was Lane Grindle. No Euchre call, unfortunately. But uh, the, it was it was one of those moments where I just yelled, let's go in my car. And um, was I was I don't remember being that excited about I haven't been that excited about a Brewer game. Well, maybe the Yankees game last week. <laughs> but there there have been few moments yeah. this year that I've been as excited for. I would say probably a couple moments in that Yankees game, maybe the Freelick catch. The Freelick debut was one of them, the Bryce Turan Grand Slam, and the Mark Canna Grand Slam. I think those are probably the top four moments of the year, at least how I would rank them, my opinion. It was a, it was a great moment. Yeah, I didn't realize. like we've been, we've been pretty reliant on the long ball over the last five years as an offense, and I, I've realized that I've missed like the big home run because we've had less mm-hmm. of the, the big home runs. Like we, especially the offense has been killing it, but it's been you know Tyrone Taylor solo shot. We had the Contreras three run shot that big blast, but it's been a lot of single, single walk, double, single mm-hmm. walk, sack fly, like it, which is which is also fun to watch. But I, but the, the the big home run, I was like, oh man, it's been a long time. You're right, the, the two ring grand slam, but like it's been a long time since we had a big home run like that. Mm-hmm. And well, uh, I miss it's, that. It's like the Chris Paul meme. The the Chris Paul hits a three to cut the lead to 42 or the deficit to 42. That's that's kind of how it felt like most of our home runs have been earlier in the year or last year, like Rowdy's home runs. Always like that. Tyrone Taylor seemed like he would always have those home runs. But this year, yeah, we have, I think the Brewers are last in home run percentage of runs scored off of home runs since the trade deadline or in the second half. So considering that they've been a very good offense, they've scored a lot of runs without the home run ball. And it is more fun to watch. I mean, not to channel our inner Bill Schrouders, since he seems to always comment about the Brewer scoring without being reliant on the home run. But it is it is more exciting to see rallies and to see single, double, hit by pitch, walk. And then, yeah, maybe you do get that big home run. And, and of course, of course, you need to hit some home runs to win games and to score enough runs to win games. Yeah, I will say it's a little, I, I, I do miss it though sometimes where it's like two outs, we're down to our last out. And back in the day, it felt like we were always in it because somebody could somebody could go yard and tie the game in a one-run game. But sometimes it's like down to our last out and we have Joey Weimer batting. And it's like, 
All right. Yeah. Well, well, Weaver's not even the worst one. I mean, it's true. It's when You're Andrew right. Monasterio gets a hold of one and it's a, a warning track fly out. Yeah, I know. Sad, sad reality. Speaking of Andrew Monasterio, he seems to be the, uh, the talk of Twitter in terms of the game three loss. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. If you, I, I'm never going to say the Brewers lost the game because of this person. I'm, I'm not somebody who believes in one person losing a game, but what was the most impactful play or what player would you pin sort of the most blame on in a game that seemed like was a winnable game in the Brewers grasp there for the sweep. The base running certainly could have been better from Monasterio or from Contreras. To me, they weren't as bad as most people on Twitter have been making them out to be. Monasterio's, he got, he got a pretty bad read on. He was on second base. He was the winning run in the 10th ground ball, single line drive ish ground ball to the right side. And Monasterio just didn't get a good read on it. He 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 thought it. He either maybe thought it was going to be caught. I I forget. I'm trying to think. I think it was it was a ball that was kind of at the infielder's feet. But he more so didn't know if it was going to get through. Was the main thing. So he he paused, took a step back, and then started going. And by the time he started going, he didn't have time to score. That ended up being the difference in the game because if he's able to score on that, the Brewers win. Of course, the Brewers end up losing then in 11 innings to the Nationals. That was that was a bad base running mistake, but I don't know if it was a mistake or it was just a bad read because he had a bad angle on it. Yeah, looking towards because, yeah, I, I I couldn't tell which was which because it's always 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 easier to read the ball off the bat when you're watching on TV than when you're on the base. If you think about trying to read the angle from standing near second base, looking kind of towards right field, you can't see exactly. You can't see the spin of the ball. You can't see. If it's if it's slicing away from the second baseman, you can't see if the second baseman is close to it, really, because the second baseman, but your depth perception is kind of thrown off from that angle. So it is difficult. It's more difficult than than you would think. But it's also a read that runners typically are able to make. So that did end up being costly. And I think, as you said, I, I'm not going to pin the entire loss on Monasterio, but I thought that that was that was definitely a play that that hurt the Brewers greatly and and may have been at least partly his fault. With Contreras, I that one I didn't think was as much of his fault. First of all, it was a great play by Chavis. But also, if he would have... So some people were saying he wasn't running right away. As soon as he saw the ball hit, Contreras started running, and he wasn't just jogging. He was running home, and then he stopped because the throw was coming, and he was going to be out. Should he have kept running home? Probably... But he forced the throw home. It was then when he stopped. And that was the play. It, it kind of played out weird. So I it, was, it wasn't it was a great base running play. I wouldn't say it was some sort of blunder, though. I wouldn't I wouldn't consider either a blunder. I, I think the Monasterio one's getting blown out of the water. I, um, who was it? Caratini was batting. Hit a ball opposite field. Hit it well. Uh, the second baseman, if I and I have not seen a replay, this is just my recollection of it. Believe the second baseman was playing up the middle. The when the ball was hit off the bat, I thought it was maybe a few steps to the left of the second baseman. Where if a guy's playing regular position, he's got a shot at making that play. Does it really matter? Probably not, because he's probably not going to make the play and make the throw to third. I mean, it was hit well, but still probably. A, I mean, it's a one hopper to a second baseman to the left of him. He's probably not going to throw Monasterio out. Um, I think he may have thought it was a little bit higher than it was because I don't think he was concerned about that ground out to second. No, because you go going to third. Yeah, if you see a ground ball to the right side, you're going. Yeah, so I think it was more. But but people also made it seem like it was a ground ball. It was it was a line drive. I mean it 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 got over the second baseman. Oh, or, it it? Bo- I, or I should say it, it bounced into the outfield. Like I, I'm, again, my recollection. I have not seen a replay. I could be wrong, but my recollection is that it went straight to the outfield. Um, on the fly. I could be wrong, but that's what I saw at least. Um, so I, I thought that was overblown. Um, I, I, I would have, I would say his base running was conservative and it obviously ultimately didn't work. Um, but I wasn't, I, I was actually more upset about the Brewers had Tyrone Taylor came up with, I believe runner on second, nobody out struck out, didn't get the runner over. And then bases loaded one out from Mark Canna after a good AB from Freelich to take the walk and Canna hit that force out at home. It was, I mean, an okay at bat, but at the same time, they had five infielders in the infield and two in the outfield and a fly ball won the game, basically. Um, so 
in terms of like, hey, you got to have that there. Yeah, I, Monastero would have been nice to get a better read, but also would have been nice for Mark Canada to hit an average fly ball, which a guy like that is who, I mean, it bases loaded in that scenario. Like who would I want to have up at the plate right now? That's probably literally the guy I'd want up because he's the guy who's going to hit a fly ball. And I thought he was for sure. So I, I thought there were equally, I thought there was some equal blame in terms of Monasterio, perhaps Contreras, but Canna could have hit a fly ball there. Ideally, Tyrone Taylor doesn't get the runner over. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, it, I I think it was spread uh, across various players uh, far, far more than others to, than, than people are making it, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So either way, I mean, all that to say the Brewers won three out of four from the Marlins, two out of three from the Nationals. They're, uh, I believe, up six games on the Cubs. Uh, we're recording this here late Sunday night and uh, still managed to uh, record before all games are finished uh, here on Sunday. So the Cubs are currently losing, but the Brewers are up six Cubs games. The D-backs got Sunday night baseball. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there's some some talented players on both teams. Yeah, they, uh, it seemed, but... maybe they set it up in April or May when the when the D-backs were looking like a legit NL West contender. I mean, it works out pretty well right now because they they are fighting each other in, in the wild card race, but I'm That's just true. a little surprised. Arizona's not usually a Sunday night team. The Cubs are, but the Cubs are more of a Sunday night team if they're good, if they're playing a rival, if they're or if they're playing another big market. And Arizona doesn't really fall into any of those categories. Yeah, that's a good point, which we'll get to that uh, as we get to a later topic here on the postseason. Um, opponents that Brewers could be facing, like you said, really close right now between the Cubs, D-backs, Marlins, Reds, or Giants. They're all within two and a half games for the last two wildcard spots. So we'll get to that today. We'll be talking about uh, Joey Weimer, his status with the Brewers, David Stern's tenure in light of the, uh, finally, the news of uh, David Stern's going to the Mets, uh, which opponent the Brewers want to face in the playoffs, and then a look at uh, David's projected postseason roster. So that's what we have on the docket for today, as well as, of course, reviewing uh, the Brewers transactions and, and the week, which I think we just more or less covered that today. So David, before we get to uh, a look at the transactions and our topics today. Who is today's random player of the day? Today's random player of the day is Domingo Santana. Played for the Brewers between 2015 and 18. Career 819 OPS with the Brewers, which is a uh, pretty solid uh, average around that time. Probably about 730. Hit 278 in 2017 with 30 bombs and 15 steals, which I didn't realize he ever had 15 steals in a year. A very good year in, in 2017. 2018, he kind of played himself out of a starting role and even got optioned to AAA. Came back and became the Brewers' best pinch hitter in September and October. Uh, we can we were we were yesterday debating whether Craig Council should have pinch hit Domingo in the second inning of Game Seven of the NLCS in 2018. So we won't we won't talk about that one today. But uh, but he he was the Brewers' best pinch hitter. Uh, at the time, he along probably along with Curtis Granderson, he was also a good pinch hitter. He was originally signed by the Phillies back in 2000 something. Uh, he's traded alongside future Brewer John Singleton in exchange for Hunter Pence. That trade Astros and Philly sent Pence to Philly. Then he was traded to the Brewers in the Carlos Gomez trade. He has the second longest home run in Nationals Park history. Some sources say he was originally born in the Bahamas before moving to the DR baseball reference says that he always he was born and raised in the DR. One of his Bowman cards though, says he was born in the Bahamas. So I don't know which one we should trust. Uh, perhaps we should find a way to ask him. Uh, he's currently in his third season for the Yakult swallows in NPB. Uh, he has an eight twenty five OPS in, in fairly regular playing time this year. And as usual, he hit a home run today, today being Sunday. Uh, his customary, I don't know his splits, but he seemed to always play better on Sundays. So apparently he's carrying that over to Japan where he's currently playing for the Yakult Swallows. Today's random player of the day, Domingo Santana. And I might add one of my uh, all-time favorite players because he was always a fa- uh, he, he always took care of fans before games. He was always out there before the game If for those fellow autograph seekers back in the day, back in the day of uh, 2016, 2017, 2018. Uh, Domingo was always a guy you count on. I, he he signed what? I mean, pretty much every game, mm-hmm. right? Probably, yeah. yeah, we probably have fifteen autographs of him or something. Yeah, yeah. Which I, which is, you always go to a game hoping to get an autograph. 
uh, especially when you're going to see the 2016 Brewers. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's not a lot that you can hope for when when yeah. you knew Brewers wasn't going to be out there. Well, remember um, the discussions we'd have about whether we were going there for pregame or if we were going there for, for and we, when we say pregame, we mean autographs. We don't mean tailgating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah a different kind of pre-gaming yeah <laughs> we, we would yeah we i think we had more fun during bp watching mm-hmm. bp eating autographs than mm-hmm. than yeah than the game a lot of times that was mm-hmm. that was really fun um and domingo santana made that fun so did scooter Jeanette. those are the two guys that oh really all of i always associate keon and oh keon you're and right keon there was one oh jason rogers but rogers wasn't there as long yeah uh, but he would he would sign but i feel like we all we got almost everyone at least the position players and some of the relievers in that time period. Uh, I think we were with the way, with our ages, we were we 2016 or 17, 17 maybe was the last year that we, that we did. I remember getting Woodruff one time when he was a rookie, I, I was standing by the dugout and I couldn't get my bag open with my baseball. And he's just sitting there waiting for me to open the bag up. And I, I, I felt real bad, but he, but he waited for me and he signed for me. So that was nice. And yeah. I might add, Domingo Santana is also the namesake for a group chat we're in. Domingo That's routes, true. Uh, in honor of of the routes that he would always take to fly balls in right field. He did get better throughout the years, but I do have to wonder. Maybe I'll have to take a trip to Japan and see if if uh, he's he's improved his defense uh, enough to come back to the U.S. and and play in the majors. Sounds good. That sounds uh sounds good. I didn't realize he was still playing over in Japan. So good for him that he's still having some success there. So. A couple of, uh, I would say, noteworthy moves here in the past week. Josh Donaldson being recalled. So uh, we talked about that makes him the fourth former MVP to play for the Brewers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he certainly made his presence known with that big blast he had. And he's been on base a bunch. Um, so that's been uh, nice to see. Adrian Hauser also uh, activated, I guess, activated from the IL along with Blake Perkins, Owen Miller, Colin Ray, and Joey Weimer optioned to triple a nashville so we've got to talk about this joey weimer option to triple a nashville think about let's let's rewind to spring training the uh the podcast episodes leading up to spring training we're talking about the the rosters who do we think is going to be there a couple weeks out craig council is talking about asked about joey weimer who's still on the the still in major league camp uh, and they're like is, is this guy actually have a chance at making the roster and, and council basically was like well if, if he's still here like yeah that that, that would be why he's still here guess it seems like an obvious answer and i remember us talking about it and you were like yeah I, I think there's a chance he could maybe make the roster i'm like no there's he's not making the roster like he spent most of the year last year in double a he's he needs more time makes the makes the uh no doesn't make the right did he did he make the opening day the roster opening day roster yeah. and then got recalled yeah. after the first game when luis urias got hurt there it is that's that's what it was that's right so technically did not make the opening day roster but was essentially the final cut and uh and then, yeah, lo and behold, called up right after game one and then the Garrett Mitchell injury. And uh, he gets thrust into the starting center field at role, which was not at all expected. Um, and then, of course, his status changes significantly when Sal Freelick uh, flies onto the scene and has played the way that he has. So he finds himself in AAA. First off, David, the, the obvious question here is the Brewers went with Blake Perkins, of course, over Joey Weimer. So was that the right move in your opinion? Uh, and then I'd like to also maybe hear about was Weimer the guy that they should have optioned or was was there a better player perhaps that they, they could have uh, either let go or sent down? So Perkins or Weimer, who would you rather take at this point? Production-wise, I think they're pretty comparable. I think as a hitter, I'm, Blake Perkins before his injury, 212, slug 297, had some patience, 311 OBP. Very good defensively in right field. And a little bit above average in center, pretty much the same profile as Weimer. Weimer, a little bit above average in center, actually, believe it or not, based on the metrics. I feel like he's a little bit better than just a little bit above average when I watch Weimer. He's not graceful, but he seems to make a lot of plays that others don't. But he grades out as a little above average in center, very good in right. Um, Yeah, I guess I was going to say, because I I feel like Joey Weimer doesn't really, the eye test doesn't apply to him because he kind of just does everything in an unconventional manner. But since the beginning of August, Weimer's hitting 154, slugging 230. So clearly the offensive production isn't there for Weimer. But to me, the bigger question is, is this a move that's going to upset the clubhouse chemistry? 
Is it going to be a hater move? I don't think it's that extreme. But Weimer's been a big part of the clubhouse throughout the year. He's been there the whole year, say for opening day, of course. And he's been he's been kind of the the young, energetic guy that provides energy. At least that's what it seems like to the outside. And that's what I'm a little bit concerned about. Blake Perkins doesn't seem to be as integral of a member of the clubhouse. He was gone some while he was rehabbing and um, presumably did some rehab work in Arizona as well. So he would have been away from the team and even spent a lot of time in AAA earlier on. At this point in the year, I don't think that the difference in production between Perkins and Weimer is really much at all, much of any production. Perkins doesn't provide extra speed compared to Weimer. The defense, pretty similar. Similarly bad offense at the major league level. So personally, I would take Weimer. I would keep Weimer on the roster. Option Perkins to AAA. And if you want to let Perkins play a little bit there, uh, rather than at this point in the year, it's not like you need Weimer to be getting at bats every day for the rest of the year. AAA only has, like, I think one more week left in their year. So personally, not a huge fan of the decision, though I'm not going to go burn down American Family Field and protest. I'd agree. I, I I just don't understand. There's not a reason to to pick Perkins over Weimer. The the, the difference is so negligible. And uh, yeah, Weimer's been there the whole year. The bigger question is, what is Brian Anderson doing still on the roster? They're not. He's not playing. Why 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 keep Brian? I I don't imagine. I can't imagine him making the playoff roster because he's not playing. So why 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 would we why keep Anderson when I would imagine again outsider's perspective seems like Weimer had a bigger impact in the clubhouse than Brian Anderson even. So if that's the case, yeah. What, what is Brian Anderson doing on the, on the team still? My one theory is a couple of years ago, Elvis Andrews was with Oakland and he had a, he had a threshold of plate appearances that if he reached 550 plate appearances, his, his club option turned into a vesting option or, or a player option rather so Andres could opt in to his $15 million for the next year. But the way that, that the uh, the option worked, if he was waived or if he was traded, the option also became a player option. Now, we're not aware of any option that Brian Anderson has in his contract, but he does have $2 million in incentives. And I do wonder if there's some sort of provision in the incentives based on if he gets released maybe that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a really good uh idea or 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 thought yeah or if he's i I would be surprised if it's that he's right at the threshold of some sort of marker that kicks in more incentives because it's been a long time he hasn't been playing so i don't think the brewers would keep him on the roster to say let's just keep him on the bench for the next month and a half i mean it's not like the brewers have 38 man rosters I, i i think the first thing is more likely and again this it's pure speculation. I don't have any sort of evidence for that. Other than that, we know that he has $2 million worth of incentives in his contract, but it's just an idea that I think because this seems so strange that especially with the days of roster flexibility nowadays, it's not like it was even in 2013, maybe where the Brewers might keep Hector Gomez on the roster because he had the potential to be a utility man somewhere along the road (laughs) (laughs) and he was out of options. But teams don't really operate that way anymore. So that's why I think it makes it even more puzzling when you're trying to figure out why the Brewers still have Brian Anderson on the roster. That's a really I, that's a really interesting theory. I don't know if we have any way of confirming that, but it does seem too strange to to be, yeah, to not have some. There's got to be some other reason that he's on the roster because there's no no logical reason why the Brewers would keep him. I think that's a really, really good theory that uh, that could be the case in Matt Arnold and correct counsel. I get maybe more Arnold than counsel in terms of managing uh, the incentive payouts they'd have to pay. So I don't know. That's, that's an interesting theory, but let's, let's move on to the news of, of David Stearns uh, long awaited for everybody. I, I think was almost relieved that uh, it, it was finally announced. Although has it, has it officially been announced or still just the source? Just the reports, but I, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's as, as finalized as it can get until it's truly finalized. Yeah, so David Stearns to New York to take over as the president of baseball operations for Steve Cohen and the Mets. 
in his time with the Brewers, 550, excuse me, 554 and 479 record, four postseason appearances, two NL Central titles, one NLCS appearance, and he also acquired several players by the names of Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Junior Guerra, Colin Walsh, the list goes on and on. Uh, very long, actually. Mm. Uh, in the number of players that he, that he acquired, but uh, who should we see? We're not going to actually do this, but we we could have a competition to see who the most random acquisition. We, we like uh, you know the game. What is it called? Name five, where you flip flop and you go back and yep. forth. So we name a brewer uh, David Stern's acquisition, and we keep going until one person <laughs> can't name one anymore. Until we're at a Hire Adrianza or someone. That was that's a solid one. That's better than Ramon Flores, who I was going to say. Mm. But uh, Adrianza, that's that's a really good one. I'm trying yeah, to think. When of I was one looking that... through his transactions log, there were Jake Hager. He was another one, and these are major. These were major league acquisitions. I mean, I'm not going to count some A ball guy that that they had for a year in in Carolina, but Jake Elmore. Jake Elmore. He I I don't know if he was Stearns. He might have been. Melvin. I think he was. was no, he? I'm. I'm almost 20, positive. Yeah, he was. You're, I think you're right. Three ninety three yeah. OBP in 2016, if I remember right. Yeah, I'm. I'm almost positive he was a Stearns acquisition. Oh, three seventy one OBP. Not even close. Yeah, I know. 2016. Yeah. Uh, but he also slugged two forty four. Yeah, I remember that. 2016. We were just like, just. We tried to like build a roster out of non-roster, or try to build a roster off of like fringe major league guys. Yeah, it, Alex it, Presley. Breaking news: It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they once they five win improvement. No, and I mean we say it didn't work, but I mean Junior Guerra was yeah. of course his first. Well, that's his, part his of first. That's part of a rebuild is that you've got the the roster spots and the playing time available to discover some of those guys. So the Brewers, uh, they. they they found Junior Guerra. They found kind of, I don't know if I'd say found, but they kind of revitalized the career of Jonathan VR. I would say Martin Maldonado got everyday playing time in Milwaukee. Manny Pena, another guy. Yeah, Keon Broxton ended up having at least some sort of big league career. I don't know if he would have had that without the opportunity from the Brewers. So there are some guys that they, that they did find. I mean, for every one guy that you find as a, as a contributor, there's probably four or five that Tyler Cravey, Jacob Barnes. Actually, Jacob Barnes is in the majors right now. Believe wow. it or not. The but, the 600-pound squatter, right? That was yeah. Barnes? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think so. With the, the squat that he went like three <laughs> inches down. But I guess I'm not I'm not want to talk in terms of 600-pound. Yeah, squat. I'm not I'm not quite there. It's more just because I don't want to get hurt, honestly. <laughs> Um, mine but, was my my mine mine people would give me a hard time on because my my all time high in in college was three hundred ninety nine point six pounds. Did not hit the four hundred mark because was I was we were using kilos kilograms. We were using oh. kilograms, and I didn't realize it until after I finished. And then I went back and calculated the pounds and realized that was point four pounds off of four hundred pounds. I weight clips those weight clips had to have been point there 2, we go point two pounds each. There we go. Making me feel better. I mean, already. that would. I mean, that's <laughs> it, that's more even more embarrassing than putting the two and a half pound plates on there. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, you get shunned if you did that. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. So, <clears throat> back to back to David Stearns. Uh, uh, not sure how he got there, but he Stearns acquired a, a lot of players. Um, many many uh, players: Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta. I'll stick to the list you gave me. Uh, for the for the uh, notes here, but is David Stearns the best GM in franchise history? Uh, four postseason appearances, again, two NL Central titles, and one win away from the World Series. Does that place him in the number one spot all time in the franchise? I'm actually not sure. He's definitely top two, and most Brewer fans that you would ask would say yes. But Harry Dalton did an excellent job. Now Harry Dalton was from '77 to '91, so we're talking about a long time ago. He was the architect of the '82 Brewers. The one knock on Dalton was that uh, later on, he later on he didn't necessarily set up the franchise as well sustainably as I think Stearns has kind of set the Brewers up for success very well over the next few years. 
but at the same time, when Dalton left the year after he left, they won 92 games. And after that 92 win season, then Molitor left in, and he met left in part because of Sal Bando as GM, uh, not offering him the contract that probably the market value dictated for him. So in some ways, Harry Dalton, I guess, did uh, probably kind of did his job in setting the Brewers up for success. Um, and Stearns did have, what do we say, four postseason appearances. One of them was 2020. Who knows how that would have played out if there were an actual season? Probably not well, given the Brewers roster. But uh, but Dalton did have actually um, in 79 when he was GM, or 78 and 79 and 80, I think. They all would have made the playoffs had the playoffs been as expanded as they are now. And I think there's another year, maybe 87 they might have. So when you look at it a little bit more in terms of win-loss, I think the Brewers may have been better under Dalton's tenure than they actually were under Stearns. Although, without a doubt, Stearns had a very successful tenure and is one of the very best GMs in franchise history. Yeah, no no doubt. Um, I think I didn't realize Dalton was as good as, as he was, and I think that's a good point in terms of the postseason appearances because on the surface, you look at four appearances in a short stint with the Brewers in terms of as a, as a, as a uh looking at the franchise as a whole in just what the six or seven years Stearns was, was with the Brewers and four postseason appearances, Dalton many more years that, that, that he was with and, and didn't have four postseason appearances. But I think that's a good point you bring up. And Dalton also took over a team that didn't have a ton of success in the entire decade of the 1970s and turned them into one, one away from the world, one win away from winning a world series, of course, in 82. So yeah, I think there's no doubt he's, he's top two, He's, he's one or two in terms of David Stern's tenure. How would you grade out the success that he had? It, no doubt it was successful, but if you had to place a grade on, on his tenure, what would you give him? I'd give him an a minus because I think, I think he did almost anything you could ask of Stern's when you took over. If you, th- if you say seven years that he has, and he turned the Brewers around from, they were a 68 win team with, pieces moving in the right direction a little bit under Melvin. It, Melvin did make the the Gomez fires trade, which was the best trade of the rebuild. Uh, but then Stearns took it and, and he traded Luke Roy away, which was in hindsight, a fantastic move because the talks at the time where should the Brewers extend Luke Roy would have probably been at least five years. And that contract would have run through 2022. Luke Roy was already retired by then. He really didn't produce anything after 2017. Instead, gets Brinson in the deal, ends up being in the Yelich trade. Stearns, by 2017, had turned them into an 86-win team. 96-win team in 2018, and one win away from the World Series. Uh, There were a few questionable moves along the way. The Chris Davis trade, of course, the Josh Hader trade. Um, It's hard to know with some of the moves, whether they were Stearns or whether they were Mark Atanasio not giving the money. Uh, you know, he did make the good the good signings of Mike Moustakis and Yasmani Grandal. The Lorenzo Kane signing, that was overall a good move, even if it didn't end quite the way that they hoped. So overall, there were plenty of great moves. Uh, Stearns had yeah more success as a Brewers GM than, than almost any other GM. I would give him an A-. minus. I think the only way that he would have gotten an A or an A+, is had they A, won a World Series, or be maybe been like the Braves type 2018, 2019, win four or five straight division titles. Uh, but Stearns did an overall very good job with the Brewers. Yeah, I'm, I'm tempted to give him an A because you think about what he, where the Brewers were at when he came in and, and where they are now. And in terms of setting up the franchise on his way out, I, he did an exceptional job to the detriment of the, of course, 2022 Brewers with the hater trade. Um, but I was just reminded again yesterday that you think about the, the contributions that Yoel Piamps has had this year, you know, Hater is Hater a better pitcher than Piamps? Yes. You know, would Hater have been better to have this year than Piamps? Yes. But by the way, we also had William Contreras that we wouldn't have otherwise had. So I, I was just thinking about, again, a, a very controversial trade that certainly had its downfall too, but he set up the Brewers in an exceptional way. The farm system obviously has helped in terms of the development. Um, but I, he's done an exceptional job. I, like I said, I'd be tempted to give him an A if it weren't for the fact that they didn't at least make a World Series. But uh, yeah, 
he was he was outstanding. I, I, I hope to see him succeed in New York. I'm not particularly a, a Mets fan by any means, but I would like to see him succeed and uh, continue to I mean, he could have a really long career in baseball. He's he's still super young. He's got several decades in front of him if he wants to be the uh, the seventy year old GM that that we sometimes will see. So we'll see what what comes. I think this is still has the potential to be just a start, uh, which is a little yeah. bit crazy. He, he he could, yeah, he could he could be in the game a long time. So yeah, all the and, best to to David Stearns. And he now the bites of the apple. It's a he's in the big apple, so the apple's bigger. More bites, yep. either more bites or bigger bites. I'm not sure which one he'll opt for. Well, but... much bigger apple, much bigger bites, and uh, a lot of them. I, I think is if Steve Cohen is your owner, so he's looking uh, maybe Honeycrisp, the GMO, the GMO Honeycrisp, GMO Honeycrisp. Okay, <laughs> the biggest apple of all time. Those things are like the watermelon. Those things are like mini watermelons. <laughs> you got to share Sometimes. them with a family of four. Yeah. <laughs> and the the brewer's apple is. Uh, the apples from the apple tree at your house yeah i was gonna say i could go into my kitchen and grab the one that's like the size of like i don't know what that a, a, a large bouncy ball to the size of that that apple that yeah that's and he, and he managed four postseason appearances and one went away from the the world series so off to the big apple in new york where we'll be rooting for him so moving on from david stearns looking at the playoff picture again cubs d-backs marlins reds and giants are all within two and a half games for the last two wildcard spots. Of course, Brewers, assuming they hang on to the NL Central title and the number three seed, they will then face the uh, worst wildcard team. So could be any of those teams. I'm curious, David, um, who would you like to face of of that list? Cubs, D-backs, Marlins, Reds, or Giants? My preference would be Reds or Giants. With the Cubs, it's just a little, there's a little bit more on the line. There's part of me that would find it fun to potentially to potentially eliminate the Cubs from from the playoffs. The Brewers have never had the opportunity to, to do that. But I also, Justin Steele scares me a little bit. Lefty, uh, he seems to have had the Brewers number, typically, uh, as being a not very hard-throwing lefty. The D-backs, I don't really want to face Zach Gallen. That's the main thing with the three-game series. Now, the one interesting caveat is teams may not, especially these wild card teams, may not be able to set up their rotations the way they want to because they're just fighting to get into the playoffs that final weekend of the year. The Brewers up now six and a half games. As we're recording this, the Cubs officially lost 6-2 against Arizona. So the Brewers up six and a half games. So much would have to go wrong for the Brewers to not win the division at this point and to not even not clinch it before the Cubs series. I think that's the big thing is you want to clinch it before the Cubs series. Then you can set up the rotation. The, the wild card teams probably won't have that same luxury, but I still don't want to face Gallon. He might be the best, one of the best starters in the NL. Reds or Giants, the Brewers have had the Reds number all year. The Giants just on paper, not a great team. Marlins really don't scare me a whole lot either. Alcantara, who I know is having a down year, is hurt, but still, um, I'd probably rather face san francisco or cincinnati yeah and I, I think that's a good point you bring up the brewers not only hopefully can set their rotation up but maybe even play play some spoiler in that uh, cub series the interesting thing would be if they, they were to run into a scenario where they liked the matchup they had but by beating the cubs they would they would potentially have to play the cubs as opposed to another team for example mm. where you'd almost have the uh the rooting to lose type of scenario, which uh, yeah, is an interesting one. So I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that, how that all plays out, but anything could happen in a three, three game series. So uh, I think you can't take that wild card series lightly, but the Brewers will have the upper hand, you know, the good news with five teams buying for that spot. You're right. There's, it's almost guaranteed that they're not going to be able to line up the, the rotation for that last spot. So with so many teams in there, it's no one's going to run away with it in the next two weeks. I don't think so. Um, you're right that, yeah, we're, we're still going to have to face Justin Steele in a three game series, almost for sure. Maybe even if it's on short rest, but we're for sure going to have to face him. And uh, I think the same with Zach Gallen, but maybe we don't have to face him in game one, but like you said, it's, it's huge when you've got one game that could go wrong, especially if it's game one. So I think it's important not that the Brewers overlook that series because they need to win that series to even mm -hmm. face off against the Dodgers or, or the Braves. So 
Uh, let's take a look at the postseason roster and who we expect to be there. We we did manage to make it clear that we don't think Brian Anderson will be will be on that uh, postseason roster. Your dark horse uh, selection for the postseason roster, Quinton Berry, mm-hmm. current Brewers first base coach, comes out of retirement. You were hoping, yeah, come out of retirement. You were hoping for that. Yeah. I, I prefer Jason Lane, the, mm. the, the, the power he showed spring training. I, I yeah. pinch hit Jason Lane in a game, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And he provides versatility. You know, Council's always talking about versatility. He pitched in the big leagues and he hit in the big leagues. I mean, how many guys on the active Brewers roster have done that? And as a primary pitcher, uh, and before that, as a primary hitter, nobody on the Brewers has done that. So maybe Jason Lane could provide that versatility that the Brewers need. There we go. That's that we can wrap it up now. We got no. uh, Quentin Berry and Jason Lane. There we go. So, besides those two locks, we have uh, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, and Wade Miley, who are the locks of the starting rotation. And uh, continuing in the locks, in the bullpen: Williams, Piamps, Pagero, Hobie, Uribe, Hauser, Bryce Wilson, Trevor McGill certainly has put himself in that spot the way he's pitched the last couple of weeks. So, I think eight guys that are locks in the bullpen. Clearly, two catchers in Contreras and Caratini. And then in the infield, the uh, midseason acquisition, Carlos Santana, Bryce Turing, Josh Donaldson, Willie Adames, Monasterio, um, which I do want to ask uh, your thoughts on Donaldson being a lock. But yeah, outfielders. I, I realize I kind of put that in subconsciously. He's playing very well. <laughs> I think he'll be yeah. on there. But... Yeah. You'd think, well, let's just talk about it now. You'd think a guy with the history that he's had. In terms of both in playing big games, being an MVP, playing in a lot of playoffs, I, I think there's a lot of reason. A lot of uh, I think there's a lot to like, um, even in a you know runner on second. Let's call it an extra inning game. You get a runner on second, and you need a, a clutch hit. You know, he's a guy I'd like to see a pinch hit for, or you know, or mm-hmm. pinch hit, pinch hit in that situation. I should say. So I mean, sure. like, there's I think a, a lot of opportunity, even if you don't start him. He's a great guy to have stashed on your bench, kind of like a Curtis Granderson too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, very, very small sample size, but entering today, 21 ABs, hitting 313, slugging 563 uh, as a home run in there. So he has, he has been pretty good so far. I mean, I'm not saying that you base your entire assessment of Donaldson off of a weak stretch, um, literally one week. But at the same time, if he came up and was striking out every other at bat, I'd be a little bit more concerned and less willing to uh, to consider him. Also realized that in 120 plate appearances in New York this year, had an 076 BABIP. So uh, wow. that, yeah. Now, yeah. is that all luck? Probably not, but is it some luck? Yeah, I mean, he probably, that's about, I've never seen a BABIP that bad. So no, not not across that many plate appearances. And he still yeah, Adam McKelvey was. How'd that happen? Hmm. Yeah, 10 that is. home runs and 15 hits. Oh, so he had 10 home runs and five Sheesh. other hits. That's insane. Yeah. Oh. Adam McKelvey was talking about that on uh, Brewers Unfiltered. The Brewers BAPIP over this stretch. Well, the offense has been really good, but it's been crazy high. He was he was taking the, the, the camp of like, put the ball, put the ball in play. Good things will happen, mm-hmm. um, which th- there's definitely some truth to it. And that's the way the Brewers offense is built. So I feel I like think they're. Oh, I feel yeah. like you get. Yeah, you get those. That you get the, if you have all the all of players that are the same type, like if you have all home run hitters, they'll kind of streak the same way. Um, if you have all contact, this is there's no data behind this. I'm this is my theory. <laughs> if you have all contact hitters, then you're too reliant on the singles. That then you're bound to have games where everything finds a glove. And I I feel like that's kind of how it is with Andrew Monasterio, where it's like Andrew Monasterio last ten games hitting three twenty. Monasterio last 20 games hitting 190 last 30 games hitting 310 and you just keep going back and it's like one stretch where he has week-long stretch he hits the ball just as well but he hits them all right at right at the fielders and then the next week he has 17 hits and 28 at bats and he hit just a bunch of singles so but, uh, but yeah. I mean to his credit I mean he's he's playing well he yeah I think his OPS actually was about the same as Donaldson's when when Donaldson signed, but Monasterio <laughs> was hitting about two eighty five, and Donaldson was hitting one forty two. Yeah, well, and shout out to him for being a lock to the playoff roster. 
when yeah. I, I mean he wasn't even we didn't even select him in nope. the he went, in the nobody draft so he went, he went undrafted. undrafted yeah so uh yeah shout out to him for like i said even being considered a lock on the roster let's let's finish up with the outfielders in mark canna salfrey like tyrone taylor christian yelich pretty uh pretty much set tyrone taylor has sealed that it, it was interesting we were talking about taylor and uh, rock on one of the broadcasts was saying you know he's a guy who you never know. He can just get a hold of the ball and, you know, it went out of the ballpark and all of a sudden catch fire. And we kind of chuckled at that, like Tyrone Taylor, like our fourth outfielder who's hitting like a buck 80. And then he pretty much did that for yeah. what, three weeks, four weeks now. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was talking with someone last week and he was, he was saying how Tyrone, he always has a three month stretch where he's really good and three months where he's really bad. And he's like last year, you know, he just didn't time it well. It was like May through July. Tyrone was really good, but April, and then as you head into the playoffs, then Tyrone was terrible down the stretch. Uh, but this year, he's timing it really well. He did not play well. He was hurt and then did not play well early on in the year. And then really since mid-July into August, which means that he's probably good through NLDS, maybe pushing on NLCS. And then he'll start, start cooling off when his three-month expiration date hits. <laughs> there we go. There we go. We'll take it. Well, this is, I think, the more interesting part here players that are on the bubble let's start with the pitchers on the mound here andrew chafin thiago Thiago Vieira, aaron ashby julio tehran which of those four players do you see making uh the playoff roster uh, of course at this point we've got 12 already pitchers locked in so does that leave us just one spot for for pitcher then yeah one spot for pitcher i i listed 11 position player locks so that would leave us with uh, the brewers are probably going to go with the maximum amount of pitchers especially because it's not like they're they're uh, oozing with a glut of position player <laughs> options uh, we're looking at I, I kind of yeah it kind of pains me to see some of the the hitters that are on the bubble but I, I would say the most likely for this spot is still Andrew Chafin he's not been good uh, I think the last two weeks depend on on whether he's on the roster or not if he pitches well, he's there. If, if he doesn't pitch well, I don't think he's there. But Vieira could make it. Vieira's pitching pretty well right now. So far, he's been decent. He pitched two innings today, allowed one run. One, one of the two inherited runners, which is pretty good to be able to keep one from scoring. So I I, I do kind of like Vieira, and I think that, that he's he's got a role. He's definitely not going to be pitching in any high-leverage situations in a playoff game. But if you get to the 12th inning and you need Vieira, He's not a bad option there. If you think about the, the the main concern is that they would only have Hobie then as a lefty for the playoff roster, which isn't ideal. But at the same time, if you've got a, a lefty coming up, a big lefty, who would you rather put in there right now? Would you rather put in Andrew Chafin or would you rather put in Chiago Vieira? And yeah, and, 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 and of course, the three batter minimum, too. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you can bring in Xavier Cedeno to face Cody Bellinger yeah. and then take him out after one appearance. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's where Aaron Ashby enters the equation also. Is he, I mean, he's kind of pushing right up on the edge of, of being back in time. He's rehabbing. I think he's in AAA rehabbing right now, making his way up the ladder. I guess Biloxi's season ended today. So um, at least he'll be in Nashville by tomorrow. But. I don't know that you put Ashby on a playoff roster when he hasn't pitched at all this entire year. And it's, it's not like we're talking about Corbin Burns. We're talking about Aaron Ashby, who's had some success at the major league level, a little bit of postseason experience, but he's not somebody that you, that you, that you bring back and you expect him to be Chris sale or something. I'm not so keen on the idea of Ashby, but being on the roster, I think I would probably trust Vieira over Ashby if the, the Brewers needed to get outs in a playoff game and Tehran being the other option, he hasn't looked great in his rehab starts. I think the Brewers kind of understand that they got lightning in a bottle with Tehran for about a month and that was kind of all he had. So it's too bad, but at the same time, are you going to pitch Tehran out of the bullpen in a playoff game? No, again, I, I would rather have Thiago Vieira pitching, uh, getting out. So I think it really comes down to whether Chafin, turns it around over these last two weeks. If he does, if he has maybe four or five good outings, then I think Jafin might work his way onto the roster. If not, I think maybe you go with Vieira. Or the other option is, especially for a three-game playoff series, 
Maybe you keep 12 pitchers and actually none of these four make it to the roster and you go with a few extra position players. Yeah, that's a good point for the three game series. But I think the only reason you put Ashby there is, is if he looks outstanding, like mm-hmm. the Brewers examining where he's at. If he looks great, I think you put him in and it, or you consider him. And if, and if he doesn't look great or outstanding, then I agree. Vieira's looked good. He had his American family debut uh, today in that final game. Uh, of the uh, national series. And yeah, I mean, he, he's also, you mentioned like put Vieira in the 12th, like he's a good extra innings guy. Cause he's also, a, if I'm not mistaken, a relatively high strikeout guy. I know his command can sometimes be a little bit spotty, but uh, I think he potentially ha- could have some, a, a little bit of a future with the Brewers. So I, I like what I saw with him. Um, and I, I would agree with much of what you said in terms of the hitters. We agree. Brian Anderson is probably not there. Some, uh, like you said, some sad names to be uh, bringing up here, but I think Rowdy Telez might be looking on the outside in. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the scenario, Blake Perkins, Garrett Mitchell, which is kind of the Aaron Ashby comp on the position player side of things. Darren Ruff, a name him? I think many of us. Yeah, I think I was just going to say a name I think many of us forgot about. And Jesse Winker, a name that we all uh, hope and wish we could have forgotten. Yeah, I think uh, Winker's, I, I put him on there because they didn't really give an update on Winker other than that he got hurt again last week. Uh, but I think he's kind of out yeah, for the year. He's done. Yeah, yeah. Winker's Winker's done. Uh, Anderson's not going to be on there. I think it leaves Telez, Perkins, Mitchell, Ruff as as the options, and and Perkins and Mitchell um, are probably the two in terms of outfield depth. But what are your thoughts on on those four players? Oh, actually, I take that back. Winker played today hmm. in AAA, so I guess he got put back on his rehab. <laughs> Didn't even realize it. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I must have missed that. He's got an, a 983 OPS in AAA this year. On his, like, I feel like he's been on rehab for, like, two years. Yeah, he has. Uh, which I won't complain about. But, <laughs> um, so if if the Brewers have two spots, I mean, if, if the Brewers have runner on first with one out, you pinch it rowdy, might ground into a double play. Nice rollover. <laughs> He'll grab a bat and stop this rally. I feel like that's the only thing he does nowadays. Even even it, it, today, he just I don't know like, that one. That one wasn't down. his like, fault. That one wasn't his yeah, fault. But it still happened. The ball yeah. and Chavis is just sitting on the base. I'm like, like, I mean, that ball easily could have gone, you know, gone past him. Mm-hmm. Or if he's not holding a runner, like that could be down the line to walk off double Brewers win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, been the season for him, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so I didn't include Weimer on here, although there is still a chance that Weimer could could make it on the roster. It would be a little bit surprising to see him make the twenty six man postseason roster and not be on the September roster. But he's a I guess also a possibility. Owen Miller also I guess I would say not inconceivable to see him making the roster. Abraham Toro. I feel like these guys all might present better options than than Rowdy Telez or Brian Anderson. I, I think Anderson's out out of the running. Certainly you keep one, at least at least one of Perkins, Mitchell, and Weimer, maybe two, depending on on how heavy you want to go with the defensive replacements. So if you if you say maybe I don't know about Darren Ruff. It also depends on it's like, it looks like Darren Ruff didn't play today. I don't know how Darren Ruff is doing. I should have checked this up. Bad podcasting. Don't don't wait to look things up until mid episode. But um but it might end up being that they keep Perkins and Mitchell or Perkins and Weimer and then one of the pitchers. I think that's probably the most likely because I don't know. Maybe they'll keep I feel like they I feel like they're going to keep Rowdy on the roster. Yeah, I don't know. I mean <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. It's it's like we were talking yesterday, and I was like, well, you know, if the Brewers need you know an extra base hit, a double, or a home run, mm-hmm. they pinch it. Right you got to make sure there's like... nobody on first, though. <laughs> Even today, runner on third, and he still did it. First and third. Yeah, first and true. third. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's not not great options. I I guess we'll see. You're right. If they if they chose Perkins over Weimer, then likely they're not going to go with Weimer which I feel bad for. I mean, I don't know. There's also something to be said about 
what's Blake Perkins' future with the Brewers, and what's Joey Weimer's future with the Brewers? That's true. Is it worth getting a guy in the playoffs, like even if he's just there? Yeah, I think it might. Yeah, nineteen ninety for that Derek Jeter. He wasn't playing. I don't even know if he was on the roster, but he was there. He wasn't. Um, and and yeah, they lost, and then. That that is the reason why they won four World Series out of the next five naturally, but yeah. but and why it, the Brewers need to put Weimer there? Yeah, but it it, uh, yeah. it, it could have helped. Uh, the other dark horse candidate, uh, cleanup hitter Ryan Healy, uh, he's currently a free agent. Maybe the Brewers go out and make the acquisition, uh, file a petition that they get him on the postseason roster, even though he wasn't in the organization by September first. But maybe some sort of uh, legacy rule. Being a former I'd postseason legend, you think so? Jed Jerko, yeah. I wonder take, if he still. Well, Jerko was our best hitter. Yeah, and, and then he was coaching our best hitter in a college summer league the year after. <laughs> that's crazy. I I, that's exactly now. Ryan Healy. Exa- is exactly who I thought of when you said it's sad to see the, the list of players. In my head, I was like, it's sad to think that Ryan Healy batted cleanup for us in the playoffs. Like we we had a bad offense this year. Yeah, and don't forget about David and, Freitas. I I already did. I wish oh. I wish I did sooner. Sorry. I wonder if he's still playing. <laughs> Anyways, I don't think so. They are in better shape than 2020. We've established that. But <laughs> but I, I guess think, you can go ahead. I, I think the question though that I, I would have is what where how they compare to the 2018 roster. I, I think we'll have to down the road maybe next week or the, yeah the we should compare following. them to 18 and 21. Yeah, I think that'd be good to see where they lie. They're very different teams. I talked about that on uh, the Miller Park Minute over there with Eric uh, in terms of the type of team the Brewers are this year versus 2018. Very different teams, for sure. I think the only main similarities being Council there and a strong bullpen. But the bullpen's not the same it was in, in 2018. So, nonetheless, uh, any other thoughts that you have in terms of roster construction for the playoffs? My prediction is that the Brewers will keep, out of those bubble players, that they'll keep chafing. Telez and Perkins. That would be my prediction. I think that's most. That's probably the most likely. I think that's the safest bet. So, I think that's that's probably fair enough. But uh, yeah, I I do think not not having again. I would have kept Weimer over Perkins for the regular season. I definitely would have also had Weimer in the playoffs over Perkins for the experience factor, for whatever that's worth, because um, they're such similar players. I, I would would have preferred to see that. So. Oh, well, I guess, uh, yeah, uh, Joey Weimer finding his way to AAA Nashville and, uh, yeah, Blake Perkins on the, the active roster. So uh, that sums up today's episode. Joey Weimer, of course, being optioned. David Stearns, the new announcement in heading to the big Honeycrisp Apple of the New York Mets and uh, breaking down the potential five teams the Brewers could play and, and the guys that they might have on the roster to do so. So with that, looking ahead at the next week for the Brewers, a familiar opponent in the Marlins in the back half of the week, but before the three game set against them, they'll play four against the Cardinals. David, two weeks left. We talked about that at the start of the podcast. So Cardinals, Marlins, another Cardinal series, and then the Chicago Cubs are back in town. So the Brewers on the road um, here against the Cardinals, against Miami all week, and they come back home for the final homestand, hosting the Cardinals and the Cubs before they host the playoff series, hopefully in round one which should be a good one. I would like to be at every single playoff game this year. I, not going to happen, but I sure would like to be. And then they'll so. get swept, probably, if that happens. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I, yeah, well, I guess you're, right. you're only 0-1 I've got... <laughs> in playoff games. No, no, no. Oh, in playoff games. Yeah. In playoff games, I'm 0-1. This year, it's a bad stretch this year. I think I'm 1-1. in. I've only got one win under my belt okay. this year, which is not good. I was I, realizing, I maybe I shouldn't be admitting this on our Brewers podcast, but I haven't been to a game in like, a month and a half, like actually gone to yeah. them. I've been watching them, but I was gone for a few weeks. I had a lot going on in the early part of August and then school started. So I need to make it up there up. I mean, it's not like we live far away, but make it over. <laughs> you can do it. Cardinals, Cardinals or cup series. Yeah. We've got one week of games. Yeah. So maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll try to make two games that week. There we go. Sounds sounds good to me, I, and I'm I will be uh, saving my my trip for the wild card series because that's it's gonna be a fun atmosphere. Playoff baseball is different, way different, and uh, the energy at the energy at AmFam 
from what I've seen watching it, seems like it has upticked as the Brewers have gone into the the run they've been on here and building up the division lead and get closer to the playoffs. But I remember, I, mean, I remember that game seven of the 2018 NLCS game, of course, didn't end the way they wanted. But the energy before the game, like first couple innings before the Puig home run, never seen any energy like that really before. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really excited for probably the, for the playoffs not and since the Vinny Rotino walk off single in 2007. Probably not. Probably not. That was a good one, but uh, I think there were a few better games in there, like the Mark Canna Grand Slam from Game Two of this past week. Probably would be would be up there. So we'll end on on that note with the Mark Canna bat flip, probably bat flip of the year candidate for mm-hmm. the Brewers. I'm not aware of a better one. So the 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 bat we'll call it the bat flip of the year. Mark Canna in the game two Miami, nope, uh, Washington Nationals uh, series win. There, the Brewers finished another strong week, six and a half games up against the Chicago Cubbies. We'll have you back next week as we close out the regular season pretty soon here, David. So, as always, Peter and David Go signing off. Go Brewers.